So I'm very honored to have been invited here by all of you. It's quite a long journey. And um, although I come from a far away, took a while, as I said, to get here. Nonetheless, we have much in common. You come from a place called Sharanagati, and I come from a place named Audarja. So, we have much in common. Probably both of the names neither of us live up to as much as we would like to, but I I can testify on my part <laughs> that um, I'm hoping you do a better job than I do of being Sharanagatas in terms of me being generous. Aldarja means generous, magnanimous. And of course it's difficult to live up to that name when the, the person whose Leela is named after is is considered the most magnanimous, most generous. But the way to to take advantage of the generosity of Mahaprabhu, Audarja means, of course, refers to his Leela. Krishna Leela is Madhurja. It is sweet. And Gaur Leela is also sweet, but it has an added element of magnanimity. Actually, we think of Gaur Leela often as the means to enter into Krishna Leela. But if we enter as deeply as we can into Krishna Leela, then what do we find? In the furthest reach of Krishna Leela, Krishna, Krishna Leela means Krishna, of course, is Rasaraj, so he's very much a connoisseur of love. And in pursuit of living up to that name, you may know that in the Braj Leela he ran into some difficulty there. Because he found that the gopi's love has manifest in the separation from him that he himself created at the time of the, the consummation of their relationship, the time that it was to be uh, formally, at least amongst themselves, acknowledged fully. He disappeared from them. And then seeing the measure of their love in separation, he felt outdone. He felt that he was in touch with something that he himself was not familiar with. And so, he told them of his own necessity difficult for a person to admit 
when he has boasted so. Ejatamam prapadyante tamstathayava vajami hamamabartmanu vartante manushyapartasarvasa. So boastfully he spoke in Bhagavad Gita, this sloka. And in doing so, no doubt reflected on the Braj Lila. Making such a boastful statement then to have to admit, practically, to those who took him up on it to the fullest. This means Jajatama Prapadyante Krishna said, as you may know, as one approaches me and gives of themselves, then I will reciprocate accordingly. So, the gopis took this up to the extreme. And then, when he could not live up to his boastful statement, the measure of their giving was such that what he felt he had to give was exhausted. His supply was exhausted. He had to put himself in their hands, admit uh, defeat at such a, making such a, a bold statement. But he's very cunning, of course, <laughs> and at the same time, while admitting defeat, he tried to devise a means by which he could uh, taste the measure of, of their love to live up to his name of Rasaraj. And this is in the height, as I say. This is all Brajlila builds up to this, and everything after that is pointing back to it in so many ways. All the Matura, Dwarkalila, and so forth. So this is the, in one sense, the deepest penetration into Krishna Lila. And there we find Gaur Lila has its esoteric beginning. So while, as I say, we like to think often, and we're taught in this way, that Gaur Lila is a means by which we can access Krishna Lila. And it's true because it is very difficult to access that. It's sweet, but it's private. Sometimes Golok is called Svetadvip. It means like like a private island. If you knew that a man in the Pacific Ocean had a private island, then you would think, whoa, what goes on there? How difficult it would be to get there. So it is something like that. Known to a few. Very secret place. Difficult to access, but easy to access, or accessible if at all, through Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So it's true that his lila is a means to enter there. If we take a position as a das of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, dasya bhakti, in relation to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then naturally, almost effortlessly, we can find ourselves in an appropriate position in Krishna Lila as well, because Mahabhu Lila is following Krishna Lila as he moves through his Lila, then he enters into Krishna Lila and comes back. So the devotees will go naturally with him wherever he goes and find themselves in a corresponding appropriate relationship. So this is wonderful news. And in this sense, as I say, Gaur Lila is a means to Krishna Lila, but at the same time, if we go deep into Krishna Lila, as I'm mentioning, we find ourselves in Gaur Lila. So it's not a shallow thing, not a means to an end. Gaur Lila makes possible the fulfillment of, as best as possible, Krishna's aspirations for love that were un- went unfulfilled 
in the Brajalila. This is its super excellence. It is the same Krishna appearing as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And that Leela is called Audarja Leela. So it is very generous in that sense that it makes available such a special, unique opportunity. And so it's hard to live up to a name like Audarja when it's particularly in, in reference to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This is what we call our, our monastery. It's a similarly uh, in a remote location like uh, your Sharanagati in Northern California. And uh, I readily admit to you that I cannot live up to that name, being generous to anywhere near the extent that uh, almost we are called to, having been called, so to speak, by Mahaprabhu's leela of generosity. We are called to be generous, especially with one another. We should Think deeply about this uh, point. Generous dealings in general with the public, but especially with one another. I know that um, this was emphasized to me when by force of circumstance about 18 years ago, I think you were with me at the time, Jasper, that um, I, I had to... Uh, finding my way somewhat independently of Prabhupada's formal mission under the inspiration of Sridhar Maharaj. And um, those were turbulent times. I don't know how much it's settled down since then, but <laughs> it was the beginning of turbulent times, I could, could say. And um, at that time, Sridhar Maharaj very much liked to emphasize this point of uh, the importance of generous dealings amongst one another. Uh, generosity is, as I say, particular in one sense to Gaur-lila, but Gaur-lila uh, is a Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is not from Krishna, so the whole concept of Vrindavan is also generous, although it's not in extending itself as far. It's generous. It's, it, it's all accommodating, harmonizing. Everything is, uh, as in the language of uh, Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur, Real religion means uh, proper adjustment. Everything can be adjusted. Uh, oh, I watched Sridhar Marsh go to great extremes to harmonize some of our behavior and, and thinking, and he was very good at, at that. I remember once he had a little difficulty when Kirtananda Maharaj wanted to put the crown on Prabhupada. Remember that? Some of you may remember he wanted to enthrone Prabhupada in the different Dabin with a crown like a king. And some of the devotees took exception to that. And, and um, Shudamars tried to find some way to, to harmonize it, that it could be accepted at least uh, in one place in the mission, might be some space for someone to feel in this way, this sentiment, and uh, this way it could be honored. And uh, he went on and on. And, but then he said, but it was difficult for him <laughs> to harmonize that. Why? Because he said, Actually, the Brahmin is higher than the king <laughs> and sannyasi and Swami Maharaj, Prabhupada, he is the best sannyasi and Brahman, such a pukka Brahman Prabhupada was. I had a good experience of this. In contrast to Sridhar Maharaj, who was a born Brahman, 
born in the high-class Brahmin family, and Prabhupada was appeared in the Kayasta family, of course. Technically not a Brahmin family, but you could fudge it in such a way, tweak it that it could be called like a Brahmin family, the Dev family. And it was, he was fond also, Prabhupada was very fond of making comments, not only about, but even to the face of his godbrother Brahmins in jest. You're eating with a not only a non-Brahmin, but one who eats from, from the cooking of non, non-Brahmins. And, and he himself was uh, such a, in behavior and character, I remember watching him in the very last uh, days of his manifest Leela in Vrindavan. I uh, came in May to see him when we were first told that he was, uh, his illness had, had reached a, a, a dangerous level. And then uh, he seemed to recover a bit. And then in, the, in September, again, we were notified that it was uh, rather urgent. So again, I went to Vrindavan September, October, and when I returned, that Prabhupada was so thin, so emaciated from not eating. But I noticed that when he would, this was characteristic of Prabhupada in my humble observation, that he was taking just like uh, Charnamrita, spoonful of Charnamrita, and he could hardly get up. Bhavananda would have to lift him to be able to take that. And then he would insist on rinsing his hand in his mouth. <laughs> this is a very simple thing, but very extraordinary. What kind of... For some reason, I think he felt pressed to set some type of example for us along these lines. I think we troubled him sometimes by our lack of culture and embarrassed him at times, although he always stood up for us. <laughs> um, so he maybe would like us to have appeared externally to be a little bit cultured. It would have been easier on him, and it would have, we would have been more credible in others' eyes, which certainly he, he wanted. It's not that it's in one sense that important. I mean, I'll give you the contrasting example. I watched Sridhar Maharaj chanting with his right hand and eating puffed rice with his left hand one morning. <laughs> he was a Paka Brahmin. <laughs> born in the Brahmin family. So these things are all, of course, subordinate to the Vaishnavism, would speak of you know, high end of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. You know, there's a nice story of how Sanatana Prabhu in the Braj came across an elderly lady cooking for two young boys, and uh, she was not of uh, very um, high family lineage. Uh, rather a, a crude village person, and while cooking kitchery in the morning for the two her two boys, they weren't her boys, but they they came every morning to take from her pot, and she would be cook, cooking and brushing her teeth with a stick, and then stirring the kitchery with the same stick, and then and so the boys were fed and they ate everything, and then Sanatan Fubu was charmed by them. And so he followed them some distance. They went into a temple, Krishna and Dauji, and entered into the deities there. Then he thought, oh my God, it's God <laughs> eating from this pot. So next morning he came to that same place, and there she was, and there the two boys were. And he 
he instructed her, don't do that. Don't put that in your mouth like that. Don't cook like that. Stop what you're doing now. Go and take a bath. And he gave her so many, uh, did he, so many good instructions. But the boys began crying. They wanted their kitchen and they wanted it now. <laughs> you understand? So then he said, don't cook. Don't clean yourself like that. Don't do that. Don't follow those rules. Just cook for those boys. How you are doing, they're accepting. I should have understood. That's exceptional. So, of course, we, we should be clean. We should be prompt. We should follow rules and regulations. But we should know that our relationship with one another, our interactions with one another, if they are to be conducted overall by any, by any rule, Prophet said it in this way, by eh, love and trust, that should pervade. Everything else is more or less a, a breakdown of that. If you and I live in the same room together, and we find after some time that you like to stay up late and I like to get up early, and we have certain habits that conflict with one another's peace of mind, then in order to salvage the situation, we can sit down and make some rules. You will agree to this, I'll agree to that, and so forth, and put it on the wall and abide by that. So we can continue to live together, but that is in a sense a breakdown of love, which in its full sense means I accept your mind as mine, you accept my mind as yours. While remaining in your body, you accept my mind. While remaining in my body, I accept your mind. This is a kind of a dynamic, the dynamic unity in a sense, oneness of love. So, Sridhar Marsh told us we should be generous with one another, especially seeing the discord at the time, different conceptions. He was very generous and very much tried to harmonize everything that uh, we were bringing to him. And, and the whole movement was bringing things to him you know, for a number of years, as per Prabhupada's suggestion. And uh, he tried to harmonize that crown. He gave some scope for it, but he gave a higher idea. Better maybe you think that the Brahman is higher, Sanyasi is higher. But anyway, my point in this is that he encouraged us and set an example himself of being generous and trying to be a harmonizer. And this, as I say, this is the very nature of Vrindavan. Gorlila is audarja, it's generous, but that generosity is coming out of Vrindavan. It doesn't distribute itself, but it's generous. Saraswati Thakur said, religion means proper adjustment. Jiva Goswami and Gopal Champu gave a unique explanation of the term braj, very similar to Saraswati Thakur's idea of religion, proper adjustment. Proper adjustment means everything's okay, you just have to adjust it. What better example could there be than the Lokopi's love for Krishna? <laughs> it's adjusted. Saraswati Thakur said, in our religion, we're prepared to serve Krishna with the lower part of our body. It's a strong way of making the statement. You know, in Vidyamarg, you cannot touch below the belt, reach below the belt, and then touch the deity, because everything's supposed to be kept above. So it's, it was a kind of an interesting way that he put it. Of course, it's adjusted, so it's not what it appears to be, but that not what it appears to be just means it's adjusted. So everything adjusted, it's there. They have calm. At least the nature of it is such, so compelling and so forceful that it can only, if we were to speak about it, 
language limits. We have to say calm. It's calm, but it, but it's, it's not calm. It's calm, adjusted. What's the adjustment? Adjustment is it's not self-centered. Both giving, Krishna is giving entirely of himself. Gopis giving entirely of themselves. This is the basic adjustment that makes all things possible. You see, giving makes, for, uh, is, as we know, it's not logical, it doesn't make sense, but it's our practical experience. And by giving, we get. The nature of love is to give, and the mystery of it is that you get by giving. And it's, like I say, it's difficult to, uh, to understand. It's our experience, therefore we, we rather accept it, but it's not, it's not logical. So we should think about that sometimes when we're forced, pressed by our intellect to make sense out of everything. There's no meaning to life. This is what the Gaudiya Vaishnavas teach. There is no meaning to life. It means love knows no reason. Love is uh, beyond reason. It, 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 it moves freely as it likes, when it likes. Lila Faith, faith gives access to that land of play. You understand the relation between shraddha, faith, and play. We say adho shraddha, faith is the beginning, and lila is the end, but the two are connected. Faith, when we have faith, we have no doubt. When we have no doubt, we're free. And we're free that our movement is not with calculation. Freely, happily, that's the nature of play. Children don't calculate. They just play. So play is the nature of reality. This world also is the play of Mahavishnu. Shishti Lila. We have to change our angle of vision, of course, to appreciate that. A fellow told me that Alan Watts says, the other day, that Alan Watts teaches that we shouldn't take all these spiritual practices seriously. Because people that tell us to take it seriously, they are just trying to bring us under their control by telling us if we don't do this properly, there'll be consequences and this way they control the masses through religion. So we should lighten up and know <laughs> it's not to be taken seriously. In, in Gaudiya language, what Mr. Watts is saying is that life is, is Leela. So I responded to the fellow, yes, that it's true, it's, 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 it's all play. But in order to play, Truly, the fact of the matter is you have to have some power. If you don't have power, then you cannot play. Just like most of you probably like to stay here as much as you can and play, but you have to have some power to do that. So off you go to the local town or somewhere to make some money <laughs> a little bit so that you can play here. So making money means getting some power base. That's why the God who only plays must be the most powerful. He must be God, Swayam Bhagavan. People who think he's only playing, how can he be God? That's why he's only, he's the Supreme God. Because he has all power. So play, Leela. But it's connected to faith. Because when faith, faith, then we don't have, then we don't, when we remove doubt, when doubt is gone, then we don't, proceed with caution, but happily. So sometimes, for example, that land of Leela Sridhar depicted as the land of faith. It's a tangible 
reality. And in that land of faith, when we get divine faith through the sadhu who has faith, we get faith. When we get some touch of that faith, I don't mean belief, and is the in the realm of the intellect, but faith that removes doubt. When doubt is removed, then that exercise of our intellect is relaxed. Just like I speak to you now, and you're all listening with your intellect, and eh, you know it makes sense. And it, if it passes the test of your intellect, you might let it into your heart. But you're listening with caution and reasoning. You're human beings, so you speak the language, hopefully, of, of logic and reason. But you should know that Mahaprabhu had a higher idea of humanity and its reach. Krishna is human as much as he's divine. His Nada Leela is the most divine. That means his human Leela. When God wants to fully express himself in love, he does so on the human stage. Love is a fallen condition. Fallen in love. This is Krishna. God, fallen in love. He's in a difficult situation. Mahabharu was taught, get him now. Now he's down. You he's off of his throne. He's the Supreme God. He's off of his throne. Now you can get him. At this time. Who could even understand Krishna without Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? This is what he said. This is the Achilles heel of God. Touch on this point. Now you can enter into the full mystery of his life of love. Have faith in this. Speaking about that, sadhus, they create some hope in us, some prospect, some faith. And even though we listen with our reasoning and, and logic, they, they, there's some backing behind their speaking. Yes, we speak in a logical arrangement of words, but a preacher can not only have theoretical knowledge. Samatpani shrotriyam brahmanishtam. That will have some effect. Theoretical knowledge is important, as important as it, it's applied in our life to afford us experience. And what experience we have, that's faith. That's what we mean by faith. Experience. Some sense that I'm in touch with something that's sublime. Can you explain it to everybody? You try to explain it to everybody, and some people listen, but most people don't. You think that the logic that supports your faith, your experience, is perfect. But no one will, not everyone will agree with you. And the fact of the matter is, the logic is, is in, incapable of expressing it. So naturally it will fall short. It cannot convince everyone. If you can somehow arrange to create faith, then the logic will make sense. That means that you have to have some experience. Otherwise, for some time you may capture someone's mind, but not their soul. So sadhu, he should have theoretical knowledge, otherwise how can he speak logically and explain all these things? But more than that, samatpani shrotrim brahmanishtam must have real standing in spirituality. That will have some impact on us. Then even if we don't agree with his logic, if we don't agree with his logic, it would be very powerful, like Prabhupada. Prabhupada, in my experience, and I've been around these so many years, so many places, so many Gaudiya Vaishnav saints, 
Prabhupada had this extraordinary power and one aspect of it, after all, Krishna Shakti Vinay Nahi, as he used like to cite himself, Krishna Shakti Vinay Nahi Tar Prabhartana. Without Krishna Shakti, then we cannot propagate Krishna Sankirtan. What is Krishna Shakti? Shuddha Shatva Visheshatma Prema Suyangsu Samyabhak. A particular combination of the Shuddha, Shuddha Sattva, Sambit, Ladini Shakti, this is Bhakti. His power, beyond that, some special dispensation of power for an extraordinary mission. Sridhar Marsh would like to compare it to Nityananda Prabhu. Once, you know, Sridhar Marsh had said about Swami Maharaj, who was asked to say something shortly after his disappearance. Some thought, we'll ask Sridhar Maharaj and some of the Godbrothers for some formal statement about Prabhupada. It's a, an appropriate thing to do after the passing of one of their Godbrothers. But he said something that was very, many things, were very extraordinary. Those who listened would realize, well, well, it wasn't just a f- formal statement, but something of substance. One of the things he said, and who would have dared to say amongst us, say such a thing? Not I, for fear of being told I was preaching Mayabad philosophy or who knows what. He said, I think he's a Shaktivish avatar. How many people are going around saying, Prabhupada is Shaktivish? Don't listen to Sri Ramara. <laughs> just to give a crude example of how bad things get sometimes. And so, one of his disciples, very astute, Sripad Govinda Maharaj, his successor, he said, Gurmaraj, you, you said that uh, Swami Maharaj was Shakyavesh. Yes. He said, what kind of a vish? Very nice question. So then he didn't have to think about it. He said, Nityananda Vish. Then he gave so many examples, so the parallel between Prabhupada's preaching and the work of Nityananda Prabhu and spoke of Prabhupada's sentiment in his own estimation and so forth. Very powerful. And the power in one sense of Prabhupada's preaching was that, you know, if you go back now and you look at, you read the conversations that Prabhupada had with different people and with his disciples and so forth, you see a lot of times he doesn't really answer the question and, uh, or he gives a different answer or he says things that embarrass you. Oh, Prabhupada. How did you say that? And what did that man think at the time? <laughs> and if you want to speak today, where most of us, a lot of us, at least among my godbrothers and god sisters in our 50s and 60s, and you know, we think a little differently than when we were 20 and 18 and 25 in those ages. We joined Prabhupada and did whatever he said turn left, turn right, sit up, stand down. <laughs> That's an interesting point on the side that Prabhupada had us in a very, very flexible position. Although we sometimes talk about him as if he as if he was set in stone. It's like this, you do it like this, you don't do it like that, it has to be done like this. The fact of the matter is he was extremely flexible. He was a flaming liberal, actually. In the context of Bengal society, Calcutta, at the time that he appeared, the way he was speaking and, and preaching and relating to us, he was a flaming liberal. Now it appears like an arch-conservative in, in some respects, looking at some of the things he said. But very liberal and very flexible. He had to be very flexible to deal with us. And he had us 
very flexible, like water. If you would say, go into this shape, we would go into that shape, change the shape, pour into the, like water, if you pour into one vase or one glass, another glass, it will take a different shape. Guru should make, put his disciples in this position to become liquid, flexible. That requires some power. In one sense, you have to suspend their logic. And Prabhupada was very expert, expert at this. This is my point. We try to speak in a logical way, to present Gaudiya Vaishnavism as best we can with all reasoning and, and so on. And of course, Prabhupada did that very, very well. But he also, by the power of his spirituality, he suspended our logic, so to speak. Because I say, if you're out of the loop a little bit, many years after Prabhupada's disappearance, some of us have had experience like that, and then you, you get a little bit worldly and interface with uh, worldly thoughts and so forth, then you go back and look at some of the things Prabhupada said, and you think, I would have said this at that time, or I might have had a doubt at that time when he said this, or I would have responded in this way, but we, we didn't, we couldn't, because he was the power of his bhav, his spirituality, was suspending our capacity to, to, to reason to an extent enabling us to, to gain experience in the land of faith. And thus we, we, we became very much disposed towards the logic of, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. We felt that it was infallible. We could present it. It made perfect sense. But everyone doesn't agree. The point being that the experience is beyond the limits of logic and the capacity of language. So such is the nature of faith. Faith is not something we can... Um, reason that much about. We just have to acknowledge it and bow to it. So with regard to harmonizing, with regard to being generous, this is my problem. I come from a place called Audarya, but it's all of our problems in another sense. We're all followers of Mahaprabhu. We have to be generous, generous with one another. And what gives us a sense of, of, of that we should do that primarily is our experience in touch with the sadhu. Because when a sadhu shares his or her faith with us, oh, we feel a, a great... Uh, a, 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 we've been dealt with very generously. Whatever you get from that side seems to far outweigh whatever you might have done to get it. This is the nature of spiritual experience. Whatever you do, however much you endeavor in your practice, for example, when you get one, just for a moment, Krishna's take captures your mind and it stops. Mind stops and you stop thinking. Ah, such a burden. And you sense the nature of the self. We call that being fired up. <laughs> Something like that. It's just touching the soul. Oh, that is very confirming, very powerful, very compelling. We live for the next moment, next moment like that. We live for the time when every moment will be like that and more. And we feel, when we experience that, we've been dealt with very generously. We should live in the world as if our advancement depends upon our practice, while knowing it's entirely dependent upon mercy. This is the idea. Like if you fall into a well in a forest, how will you get out? You have to call hell, and then someone will come and throw a rope. Then he would say, hold on that rope, I'll pull you up. 
So when he pulls you up, you get to the top, you don't say, I sure held onto that rope quit, didn't I? No, we don't think like that. It doesn't even enter our mind. We think, you saved me. So this is the nature of the experience. It far outweighs whatever we may have done to uh, our, whatever our part may have been to get that experience. So the touch of faith that has us involved, gives us adhikar, eligibility for bhakti, it uh, should cause us to want to be uh, generous with others. But the problem is that when we get that faith and that experience, we want to give it to others, then we try to give it on our, in our own way. We try to express it through the limits of our, our conditioning. And then we, we reason about our faith, and we reason that you couldn't be having faith, because <laughs> your faith is over here, and mine is over here. And I know it's over here because I got an experience. And my guru is better than your guru and all these kind of problems. And we, we are experiencing these types of things. As I said many years ago, when I had the opportunity to sit at the Peter Shudamarsh and he taught us, oh, you must be generous with one another. He was generous with me. He told me, I said, Guru Maharaj, uh, any service I can do. He said, Swami Maharaj has told you everything. Prabhupada has told you, you know everything, he said. Swami Maharaj has told you, you go and do something for him. Start something. And I will be in the background. I'm here, small person that I am. Why Mahaprabhu is keeping me here? Swami Maharaj has gone. Madhav Maharaj is gone. Yajabhar Maharaj is gone. Goswami Maharaj, he's naming them all, so many godbrothers. Why I'm here, useless, small person that I am cannot even move from my veranda practically all these years. I don't know what my purpose is. But I'm here in the background. My Radha Gubinda, Sundar is here, Mahaprabhu. So I will try to help you. But you say, but no, I'm a small man. Not much I can do. And Swami Maharaj is a big man. He gave you everything. You see, this makes such a person like Sridhar is a big man in our estimation. It's not difficult to, to appreciate. But giving, then we get. Giving honor. He gave honor to us because of our connection with Prabhupada. So much honor he gave to us. How we could not give honor to him. How to get honor is to give honor. So, he helped us in this regard. So many years later, then after struggling in many ways to try to find a way to move, sometimes without any support, this is a little bit my history since some of you may have not seen me since many years, maybe some of you are meeting me for the first time, and some of you may know me and I know you, but I don't recognize you, please forgive me if that's the case. But uh, Sometimes we change a little bit, but after many years of trying to live up to those advices, that advice of Sridhar Maharaj, and preach, do something, he passed away, of course, just shortly thereafter. And after many years, I came to found this small monastery for sitting and, and, and doing my practice, my bhajan and, and writing. I found a way to harmonize the two sides of my gurus. Prabhupada was very outgoing, as you know, 
and I have an outgoing side. Some of you may know that about me also. I was very bold to go and distribute Prabhupada's books very widely and intimidate many of you also to do the same thing. Uh, but it was, uh, and I wasn't that good at it. I mean, I mean, I was good at it, but it could have been done better, perhaps, <laughs> not to cause some of the repercussions that uh, it did. Uh, I readily admit that. But uh, you know, you just go with what you have. And uh, I wanted to please Prabhupada, and I knew he wanted to sell the book, so I just tried to find some way to do it as best I could. And Prabhupada used to say, sometimes people didn't like it, and I can understand why. But Prabhupada used to say, he's a good boy, and um, if you can show a better way, he will do that, I'm sure. So at the time, nobody came up with any, anything better, so I became the incarnation of book expression in his words. <laughs> Generous words of his. But um, So I have outgoing side, too. I was never shy to go and ask someone to give donation for Prabhupada's books. Never shy to tell anyone that they suggest that they could uh, do good to hear from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. I was very convinced about that. Very convinced about Prabhupada's, um, that Prabhupada had something to offer. Best thing. But um, I have others also a quiet side, um, inner side. Actually, the two go together. This is also the idea of Audarja, Mahaprabhu's Leela, Krishna Leela. Hmm? go inside, the further we go inside, the more we can actually reach out. So, when I used to go and travel and it's gone and the devotees would ask me, how do you sell the books? And Ramaswar Maharaj always wanted me to give some talk about how to sell the books and he always wanted to kind of turn it towards, let's talk about the technique. <laughs> the technique. I told Prabhupada once, they're always asking me to talk about the technique. And he said, what do you say? I said, Prabhupada, well, really, I never had any technique that I, mean, people used to say, maybe he was a used car salesman before or something like that. <laughs> I couldn't even hold on to my wallet before I met Prabhupada. <laughs> but uh, I told Prabhupada, I said, I tell them that uh, by rising early in the morning, and chanting all my rounds before Mangal Arti, you can follow him very strictly, the sodom that you've given, I said, this is my technique. He said, that is our only technique. Yes, you emphasize on this point. That is our only technique. So I have that side also to me. And Sridhar Marsh had much of that inner, inner side, I mean, probably inner side also, obviously, and outer side, but if we were to mark each of them as they appeared externally, Sridhar Marsh is very introverted and kept in small circles and liked to think of a few shlokas over and over and over again and churn them around in his, in his heart and head and what they meant and, and uh, speak about them to a small circle. Actually, you know something? Many of the wonderful things that he spoke were all locked up inside of him for years and years and years until Prabhupada's, some of Prabhupada's disciples by Prabhupada's own arrangement came to his feet and their Guru Nishta in Prabhupada was so strong that he felt confident to bring out so many things that he hadn't mentioned even to his own disciples. He once said, you know, a guru usually has a few disciples that are very enthusiastic and very close. And the larger group is 
on board, but not that close. But <coughs> Swami Maharaj, they were all very enthusiastic. All of them. It was a very extraordinary example. So anyway, he had a very introverted nature. In fact, he was chosen by, you don't mind me talking about all these things, do you? I find them fascinating topics, and I'm just speaking very spontaneously. Um, he was uh, the first one asked by Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur to go to the West and preach Peter Marsh. And he said, because I know he'll never become converted. But Sridhar Marsh refused to go. He didn't refuse to go, but he, he, he suggested it might not be a good idea. We will think he told his guru that maybe it wasn't a good idea. His guru's own suggestion. We'll think this is not a very good disciple. Maybe, but maybe could be a very good disciple. You know, it's people find a hard time finding a good guru these days. Sometimes people complain. But you might think also that it's hard to find a good disciple. Good disciple means who's a good servant can be a, can be a guru. Find a good disciple. A good disciple is one who can catch the spirit. What did Prabhupada used to say? First class disciple, and he knows what the guru wants before he asks or gives the order. So he might know what the guru wants even when the guru gives an order. Well, you should go. But he knows, Gurudev, I know what you want because I know you hard. You want somebody who can represent you in this way, in this way, in this way. It's generous of you to think of me. But what you want is this and those things are lacking in me. Therefore, I point over here, something like that. Gurudev is putting so many things in us. We don't know it. Speaking, speaking, making and giving an example. So many things are being stored in our heart. He expects at some point to be able to draw upon his files. You follow me? It's not just talking and talking and talking. So when the disciple can open the drawer and say, it's right here, this is what you want. You were looking over there, it's here. This is very useful. You understand? A thinking disciple, of course he has to be able to, he has to live within the parameters of what is Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So in many respects, Prabhupada kind of told us not to think. Shudamar said, now it's time to think. He left. Now you have to think about all those things you put in your heart and draw them out and apply them in unique circumstances in a dynamic way. So he was of introverted nature. When Saraswati Thakur said he wanted him to go to the West, he said, Guru Maharaj, I do not think I'm the best man for that. And he gave three reasons. He said, first of all, my nature is to keep in a small circle. And amongst the larger circle of people uh, I've always kept away from, this is my nature. Going to the West will mean to come in touch with the masses, so many people, and I may not be best suited for that in, in terms of my temperament. And there are others amongst us who are more of that nature to circulate amongst the larger group. And secondly, he said, my English is not so good. I cannot follow always the Western intonation, and others can speak better English. And thirdly, he said, life is short, and I want to spend as much time as I can in your, in your company. 
And this charmed Saraswati Thakur's heart. And he knew, oh, he can take advantage of that company. I will share my company with him. He showed himself to be very qualified, as Saraswati Thakur thought he was. And then another was suggested, and that one went. And so my point is simply that Sridhar Marsh had rather an introverted nature and liked to keep in smaller circles. He did preaching during the time of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, but after his departure, and there was confusion in Godiamat, and persons went in different ways, and there was the type of thing we've experienced after the disappearance of Prabhupada, for example. Prabhupada himself was kind enough to give a house to Sridhar Marsh. For 60 years he lived with... Uh, Prabhupada gave him a, a room in Calcutta. Uh, what was it? Number six and number seven, Sita Kanta Banerjee Lane. Prabhupada was in six, and I think he put Sridhar Marsh in number seven. They lived together. They wrote their Bhagavad Gita commentaries together there at that time, exchanged thoughts about that. Ultimately, Sridhar Marsh opted to try to live in the Dom uh, after a considerable life of being involved in the preaching mission, to live in the Dom and do some bhajan there. And so he went to Ekchakra, the birthplace of Nityananda Prabhu, to ask permission to live in the Dom. And when he asked permission, humbly, he got an impression in his heart that sounded like this. You ask me for your mercy, but you don't give your mercy to anybody. So many nice people had come and asked him for initiation. Babatarini Pishima, Prabhupada's sister, had Harinam Diksha from Prabhupada, but she didn't get Mantra Diksha from him, so she approached Sridhar Maharaj for that. But he said, no, I'm not giving, I'm not uh, doing that. She went to someone else, another godbrother, but this was, uh, so this was the complaint of Nityananda Prabhu. You're asking my mercy, but you don't give your mercy to anyone. So he struck a deal with him. He thought, okay, I got, if, if I give mercy, I can live in Navadvip. I can make my house there. I can have real estate in that land. He got a place with the help of some god brothers. They arranged a place for him in Kuladvip. And then his policy was, I won't go here and there, everywhere, searching for people. But if any nice person comes, I won't turn them away. This was his policy. So, in this way, he had a small circle, kind of an introverted nature of sorts. But Prabhupada, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur, used to tell our Guru Maharaj, yeah, try to bring that Sridhar Maharaj out. He's a good preacher. That'll be good for him, that'll be good for the world. Sridhar Maharaj used to say, Swami Maharaj always tried to pull me out. And here in the end, he brought the whole world to my doorstep. So many... <laughs> If his preacher, they're all over the world and they're coming to my doorstep. Such a good friend, even in his absence. He's pushing on this point. So whatever Saraswati Thakur told him, he, he fulfilled it. So anyway, he had somewhat of an introverted nature. And so if some company with him, I uh, also developed more along those lines, that side of myself to a greater extent. And with time, that's appropriate. So I found a way that... My monastery, as I said, after moving here and there, after being separate from the main body of Prabhupada's mission, I settled in this place, and it's called Aldarja, and I'm able to reach out widely and fulfill that side 
of myself and remember Prabhupada in that regard, widely preaching over the internet. Some of you may have been touched by that. We have about 12,000 readers. It started in a small way and then questions and that keep coming and I'm usually about two months behind in answering the questions. So, wide circulation and I live in a very small, remote, quiet place with a few assistants and I can do my practice very peacefully there. So I thought to name it Audarja, this place, because by going inward, then the further in we go, the more farther out we can reach effectively. And hard to live up to that idea of generous dealings, even when going inward sometimes. It's hard. Sometimes one may not want to come out. <laughs> but um, to be generous, that is important. To be generous in our dealings with one another. And Audarya, as I began, and Sharanagati, they're very much connected because if we are to really understand the Audarya Lila of Mahaprabhu, which means to understand and get standing in the Braj Lila, then we have to be a Sharanagata. I hope you are better at being Sharanagata than I am at being uh, generous. And that I, and I come to, to hopefully learn from you something about that. You've given a very big name to your community, Sharanagati. So I assume that you're all Sharanagatas. This is a stage on which the, the drama of Krishna Leela is performed. If you want Krishna Leela to appear in your heart, first you have to erect the stage of Sharanagati. So I assume that you're all doing that and um, that I can learn much from you. With that spirit, I've come here, invited by, personally by Balakrishna, representing some of your kind sentiments. I know there's a large group of devotees here and that there, you, some of you have been here a long time and, and there are various opinions about theology and philosophy and practical things and as a, would be natural in, in a community, but you all are here for the, the same reason and whoever you hear from most, whoever you revere the most, whatever special insights that you might have from your guru and another from another guru and Someone might think he doesn't need a guru and he has or she has special insights. Whatever those special insights and are that separate you to one extent from one another and bring about any sense of, of disharmony, you might, uh, this is a humble suggestion on my part, that you might look beyond those special insights to the, to the things that all of us can agree on that practice makes perfect only by spiritual practice you have to emphasize spiritual practice in your life the more you do that the more you'll be humble the more you'll be generous the more you'll truly be a Sharanagata the more you'll build a stage of Sharanagati in which the drama of Krishna will be performed so you have so such good opportunity for that here quiet peaceful place so many homes, so many temples, only devotees, Bhaktivedanta Road, Prabhupada 
place, I'd seen the signs. So much of a back wind. And you worked hard, you wanted this type of a facility, type of a place. If all those things are in place, you thought, then we'd have so much facility to practice, to spend our lives in, in Krishna consciousness. So you try to do that, as is my humble suggestion. Be generous with one another. Honor the faith of one another. If you really want to honor your guru in a dynamic way, you have to honor the faith of others, even if you don't understand it. And again, as I said earlier, it escapes reason. Why Krishna descends, where, through whom, and to what extent, that's not for us to reason about. That's for us to acknowledge and celebrate. That's all. If you think you got something better than another, then you try to share it. But you have to understand, what you're trying to share is love, so don't try to do it by law. You will not be successful, but by love. So if you try to uh, make this the center of your community, all your teachers, all of our teachers, are all emphasizing that you have to chant Hare Krishna purely, without offense. How can you begin to chant it? You have to chant attentively. All offenses arise out of inattentive chanting. So you have all of this common burden. And you may think, I've got something special. Everyone thinks like that. If you don't, then that's a problem. <laughs> I think I got something very special. I hope that you do. Wherever, you, However you've been connected to Krishna consciousness, through whomever, connection with Krishna consciousness is special. However small, it's a big thing. Like Adam is very small, but such power is in that. Very special thing. So it's right to think like that. My guru is best. You should think like that. But you should also think, and your guru is best for you. My guru is best for me. Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami in Chaitanya Charitamrita. Twice he says, Oh, we're talking about this thing, Rasananda. If I'm to speak to you with tatastavichar, a little bit objectively, I have to say to you that dasya, sakya, vatsalya, and sringar. Sringara, that is the best. Therefore, I call it madhurtya, sweet. Twice he says that. And twice after saying that, what does he say? Kintu, however, you should also know, whoever loves Krishna in any of these ways, that is best for them. Don't harp so much on the objective reality because ultimately the subjective reality prevails. We can harp on the objective reality to this, to this extent. We can point to the highest reach of theistic experience, Rasananda, Gopibhav, Krishna's search for that, that is Mahaprabhu. We should point to that in preaching. After all, preaching is not, is, is a, requires objectivity. When Rupa Goswami wrote Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, he had to be objective. When he wrote Ujjwal Nilmani, then he could be subjective. He had his own sentiment. But in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, he's talking the whole ocean of Bhakti Rasa. So he had to talk about all the tastes. If any taste he talked less about, it was his own. But when he wrote the sequel, 
Uttvil Nilmani, that's all about his particular taste. So preaching, and, and Bhakti Rasamrita's but Sindhu is by far a preaching book more than Ujbal Nilmani. Ujbal Nilmani is for bhajan, and not for everybody. If you want Sakibab, you can take the first two chapters. That will be useful. If your sentiment is for Manjari Bhav, then you go to the whole book. If your Sakya Bhav is uh, like that of Priyanarma, then maybe you have to study a little more those things, become acquainted with some aspects of Ujbal Nilmani, that kind of thing. But this, these, are, these books are for bhajan. And you, in our lineage, you qualify yourself for bhajan by prachar. Mahabhu himself taught that. He took sannyas not for bhajan, to give respect from the people. But they were disrespecting him in Navadvip. Whether I have come to give them something, if they don't respect me, then how they will give. So I'll take sannyas, and this way they'll respect me. And, and then he traveled and preached widely for six years throughout India. Then he sat down in Puri. Then he sent Nityananda Prabhu away to do his bhajan. We should be acquainted with that idea. What is bhajan life? We will do preaching, archan, which is sankirtan. By sankirtan we become qualified for archan. Through archan, some modified idea of archan we have that will be conducive to qualify us for bhajan. And sankirtan will be there on that end also, from beginning to end is the reach of Sankirtan. Archan means that the, oh, we cannot see the deity in our heart. The temple has not yet been fully erected in our heart, so we erect it outside. And with in symbolic way, idam paniyam, idam naividyam, idam machmaniyam, all these things, in a kind of a symbolic way. We're practicing Krishna consciousness. <laughs> We're practicing what is Krishna consciousness. When we practice nicely, then eventually, through this archan and nam, the heart becomes purified, the mind becomes absorbed. You can sit down and chant. Remember Krishna. The temple awakens in the heart. Service is not, sim is not a symbolic service, but real service, bhava-seva. So we are, are hoping for all these things, but it's not a cheap thing, sudurlaba, very rare. We should know about it theoretically, that's useful for us, that we may be inspired to do what's necessary where we are at this time to arrive there. Where? Land of love, generous place, where we have to begin loving, being generous. We have to get used to one another because you know something? Nobody's going anywhere. You're all here. Whatever is, will always be. Whatever isn't, will never be. This is the nature of reality. None of us are going anywhere. We're all connected, always, forever. So we should get used to one another. We should think about what it is we're about, what we're involved in. Begin be, to be generous with one another. Try to find ways to harmonize differences and make them ornaments rather than problems. 
to honor the faith. This is to honor your guru, your own faith. Because someone else is getting the same experience somehow, somewhere else. How can you tell? Maybe they don't have as much theoretical knowledge as you. Does that mean they don't have as much Krishna consciousness? No. Maybe they don't have as much information as you. Maybe you cheated yourself and thought by getting more information you went somewhere when you still have no more taste for Harinam than you had before you got that information. And if you have more taste and you're really practicing, then you will not be beating people over the head with your laws. You have to hear from my guru or you have to, or Prabhupada is the only guru or, I don't it could be any number of things. I'm not singling anybody out, not that I know all the dynamics, of, but I, what goes on here is going on everywhere else too, so <laughs> it's not any different. But you're all living closely together and you have these, like I said, nice street names and and a very nice um, kind of uh, sattvic platform to practice your your spiritual life in. Very conducive. You have to be all very humble. Mahaprabhu said, Trinada pisuni jena tarora pisahishnana amani namanadena kirtaniya sadahari You make this your mantra. Kaviraj Goswami said, wear it like a garland around your neck. Why? Because it's a heavy shloka. Then <laughs> your head will go down like this. Very heavy shloka, not up like this. To be reasonable and, and, and objective, try to develop personal integrity and see how much progress I've made in spiritual life. And if you've made some really and you can, you can say it and you know it, then you still have a problem. You're still at fault. What happened in the Gundicha Marjanam? So many devotees collected so many sticks and stones and dust from cleaning the temple in Puri. And when Mahabharata said, line up with your pile of dirt. And he came to one man and he had a large pile. He said, you have done very nicely. And that devotee's heart would swell. Yes, I have done very nicely. And the one next to me, he has a small pile. Then Mahabharata said to him, but why you didn't teach your friend? to do the same. So if you really have something, if you've gained something, then you have to give that. That's brahmana. Don't be kripana. Be generous. Give that. But what it is that you're giving? You've got love. I hope. That's what we want. You cannot give love with a, with a knife, with a gun. Take it. With a, with a book. <laughs> or with a head. Like that. No. Mahabhu, how he converted everybody by his example, by swooning. Prakashananda, he converted the big Maya body by ignoring him. He ignored him until his interest was so piqued that he had to invite him. And still he ignored him, sitting at the, at the door, with a, uh, cleaning the feet of others. Please, come in, come in. Sarvabhoma, the big logician, Mahabharata converted him by being silent until he became so interested. You must, you haven't said anything, it's been seven days. You're quiet. By his silence, he, he, by joking, he, he, he converted uh, this uh, Venkata Bhatta, big head priest of, of Ramanuja Sampradaya, by joking with him. <laughs> he didn't write any books. He wrote one poem, eight stanzas, just expressing his, his feelings. Apani Achari Bhakti. By example, Mahaprabhu taught. 
So if we are to convince others, if we have a good idea, then we should convince by our example. And some of you are here who don't come to hear from me, I've come all this way, then I am forced to think, you must know something, but I fault you for keeping it to yourself. You don't need to hear from me, that's understandable. You have something that you can remain content in your house, and I want to go knock down your door and find out, what do you have? Something better to do. I want to know about that. A better idea. If anyone has any objection to hear from me, I heard some people might have some objection. I asked them, please come and tell me why. Have you ever met me? If you did and I wronged you, forced you to do something, like sell a book to somebody, or who knows what I did. People are telling me all the time, all kind of things. Oh, I, please, be kind enough, give me the opportunity to apologize. You're a devotee of Mahaprabhu, I expect that of you. Give me a second chance. Kyle Krishnadas was given a second chance. Vanitananda Prabhu, will you please give me a second chance? And if you never met me, but someone told you something, then I say, oh, please, try to find out firsthand. At least give me that chance. I'm your godbrother or uncle or something. Nephew. Somehow we're related. So we're all family members. So please don't uh, keep your uh, door closed to me. You may think I don't follow Prabhupada properly. Please then help me to follow him better because that is what my life is for. Only for that. And if you feel you have a better idea and you want to teach me, it turns out I have something better to say, then I'm a good student and you should be happy with me. This is my humble uh, request of all of you. I have come here, as I say, it is called Sharanagati, so I am thinking you must have something very valuable to be living in this place. So in this way we should try, I'm trying to, I don't say this, Facetiously, it may sound cute also, but I, I truly mean what I'm saying. Everyone here is connected to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. That is a great thing. There are so few people like that in the world. We may have some differences, but uh, if we get close, we find there and really talk about what our interest is or what our interest should be, or what we claim it is theoretically, then we find we have so much in common. And by doing those things that we have in common, we, we, we may find whatever the real, the right, the right philosophy is, and we, we'll arrive there by that, only by that. Whatever you can say, whatever you can write, whatever has been written, is only outlined to the Book of Life, that's all. All the Prabhupada's books, all the Thakur Bhaktivinoda's books, all the Goswami's books, every, all the books of Vyas, this is a table of contents. And that's our philosophy. It's beyond words. We have to go in another way there to experience that. And we've all been told by our gurus, whoever they are, what to do. Prabhupada was very, very particular in that regard. You ask him a question about something higher, he would say, why don't you go there and find out? That was a rather characteristic kind of remark of it. Why don't you go there and find out? I tell you this, and you, have you gone there? Have you understood necessarily? No. So, I'm sorry, I'm talking a long time now. I should stop, but I wanted to just give a short uh, introductory talk and say 
and I'm very happy to come here and give some reasoning as to why. And I know, like I say, in many places there have been differences and people get together for right reasons, but things get in the way and, and uh, it becomes troublesome and you, you in your hearts would like to get beyond that and uh, take advantage of all the collective uh, resources here for Sadhu Sangha. So, if I can be of any assistance to uh, the group or individually, personally, I'm here for a few days, I will, I will try. I give myself for this entirely with no other agenda. Any question? Yeah. Sri Guru Baranga Ki Jai Jai Sri Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada Ki Jai Sri Bhakti Raksha Sri Dhati Goswami Maharaj Ki Jai Sri Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur Prabhupada Ki Jai Sri Kori Saraswat Guru Parampara Ki Jai Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai Gaur Premanandi Jai